Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up and 27 down for Teasley! The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions! Patriots win another Atlantic League title! Warning track ball! Done! Home run for Corey Aldridge! His third blast of the game! It's a walk-off grand slam! It is gone! Ball game over! Series over! And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions! On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to episode number two of the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and thank you so much for sticking with us for our second crack at a podcast episode. A big thank you to longtime radio partners of the Somerset Patriots. That's 1450 WCTC, who will be airing each of these episodes live every Friday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. over the airwaves and at WCTCAM.com. They will also be airing two separate Somerset Patriots games every Saturday and Sunday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Those are full radio rebroadcasts, so be sure to stay tuned for both of those as well. Also, we want to give one more shout-out to Somerset Patriots beat reporter Mike Ashmore, who is continuing to produce his podcast, quote, the Untitled Mike Ashmore Podcast, which can be heard on his YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash mashmore98. Uh, He's been speaking with a number of former Patriots players, uh, so be sure to give his show a listen. It's a really fun listen. So hopefully you guys enjoyed episode number one of the Something Patriots podcast, uh, The Pride of Piscataway which featured an exclusive interview with three-year Patriot and former first-round draft pick Corey Smith. If you missed it, the full archive can be heard at somersetpatriots.com, and it can now also be officially heard on a number of popular podcast platforms. Say that three times fast. Popular podcast platforms. Um, Those platforms including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, and Radio Public, and hopefully more podcast platforms that will continue to add to our distribution list um, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, So on today's episode, we dive into more detail about the current efforts for Major League Baseball to start playing again uh, and the effects that those efforts will have on the Atlantic League. Uh, We also revisit the last championship season for the Somerset Patriots, which came back in 2015, and we have a chat with recently announced all-decade team member, left-handed relief pitcher, and now Major League veteran, Buddy Boshears. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! <laughs> yeah, you better believe that I will continue to play that little audio bite from uh, Patriots Director of Ticketing, Nick Chirillo on all these episodes moving forward, because, I mean, he asks a fair question. Who wants to play baseball? And the answer is we all want to play baseball right now. Uh, But yes, the question that's on all of our minds right now is, can we play baseball? When can we play baseball? And what are the steps that need to be taken to get to that point? Of course, we are still in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. We're continuing to follow all of the federally and statewide mandated Uh, social distancing guidelines, but there was some news in the world of baseball this week, some pretty big news, so let's get into that. 
So in Major League Baseball, the league got approval on their proposal from Major League owners on on how to restart the game. Uh, They got that approval this past Monday, which I believe was May 10th, though all of these days, it might have been May, it was May 11th, all of these days kind of mesh in together at this point. But they got approval on their proposal, which is certainly a big first step. And a couple of interesting tidbits inside that proposal, their target date to have a new opening day would be in early July, possibly even July 4th, uh, which is certainly coming around somewhat soon. So it'll be interesting to follow that. Uh, Also in the proposal, an 82-game season in which teams are really only playing teams from their same geographic area, which means uh, they're playing a lot more games just within their own division. And then if you're in like the NL East, you're going to be playing teams against the AL East, NL Central versus AL Central, and NL West versus NL West. Also included the idea that uh, both the American League and the National League will uh, adopt universal designated hitter rules, which I personally, growing up a fan of the National League, am not a huge fan of, but I suppose that that's the way that baseball has been trending for some time now. Uh, Also, in the postseason, there will be a 14-team postseason as opposed to the uh, 10-team postseason that we've had recently. And rosters will expand from 26 to as many as 30 active players with about a 20-man sort of taxi squad of minor leaguers and prospects available for these teams as well. And and, and that might be under the assumption that um, major league organizations might not have their minor league affiliates um, available to play for this season. But that'll be a big thing uh, for all of us to watch moving forward. Um, And also the the proposal assumes that there will be no fans in the stands for games at the beginning of the major league season. But the biggest question right now, uh, at at least a major league level, is where where do they go from here? I mean, there's a big debate that has to go on with the Players Union, the Players Association, and a lot of that comes down to the financials and the revenue breakdown. Um, Major League Baseball and the owners want to have about a 50-50 revenue split in terms of what profits go to the teams and what profits are available for player salaries. Uh, But that creates um, a couple of dicey situations for the players. The players don't want the 50-50 revenue splits. Uh, They already agreed to take a prorated rate, for lack of a better term, uh, for their salary. So if it's an 82-game season, they're going to get about 50.6% of their salary they would have otherwise gotten. Uh, But a 50-50 revenue split sort of puts in the idea of a salary cap uh, for a lot of these players, which Major League Baseball has always sort of shied away from and was one part of the main... uh, aspects of the 94 strike uh, in Major League Baseball. And also, with all the revenue that could potentially come into Major League Baseball, there's a lot of questions on on whether that will come in uh, from TV contracts, both locally and nationally and merchandise. And if there's playoffs or if there's a potential rise for the COVID-19 pandemic again in the fall, there's a lot of question marks. And having a 50-50 revenue split and not being completely sure on where all that revenue is coming from puts the players in a difficult situation. And it seems like the Player Association isn't too fond of this proposal, so it'll be interesting to follow the next steps, at least on Major League Baseball's efforts to get play going again. From an Atlantic League perspective, none of that really ties into the ALPB too much. Um, There are some ideas and, and some arguments that can be brought up that, you know, if there are decreased minor league salaries for major league organizations and the roster sizes are cut down, and even if there's a slow free agency market um, after this major league baseball season concludes, because if teams are losing revenue, 
they're not going to have a lot of revenue to offer these players as as free agents. So if there's a slow free agency market and the roster size for some of these uh, minor league affiliate teams are cut down, then you could make an argument that there'll be an increase in the player pool available for uh, for guys that might be interested in playing for Atlantic League teams moving forward. So um, in a weird roundabout way, I could certainly see an argument where uh, the Atlantic League could benefit a little bit from the current arguments that are going on in the, d- the debates at the major league level. Um, but in regards to when the Atlantic League is going to uh, hopefully start play again, the league still intends to play. That statement that came out on May 1st has not altered at all, and all the teams are still working hard to figure out uh, the best way to make that happen. Uh, and once we get any new information on what the Atlantic League intends to do, we'll be sure to bring that um, up to date on the podcast. But for right now, everything is still in a working phase. All the teams, the general managers are trying to get everything going. Uh, but at least from a New Jersey perspective, there is some room uh, for a little bit of optimism uh, because there have been some announcements from the state government, from Governor Murphy, uh, that are giving us a little bit of hope that the state is starting to open up again just a bit. Uh, recently, Governor Murphy announced that non-essential businesses can reopen and offer curbside pickups for their products. Um, they can resume non-essential construction, drive-in and, and drive-through gatherings um, can resume as long as everyone stays in their cars. And and possibly the biggest news that, that came out on uh, Thursday, May 14th, which is today how I'm recording this, um, is that Governor Murphy is going to be opening up the beaches along the Jersey Shore in time for Memorial Day. Uh, there's a lot of guidelines that go along with that, and people will have to remain socially distant. Uh, but the beaches are reopening. So if the beaches are reopening as we get closer to the summer, hopefully we can find a way to have baseball uh, return for us as well. So in summation, <laughs> there is hope. And we're all holding out hope that we can play baseball again, that we could bring baseball back to the jewel of the Atlantic League. And we'll continue to monitor all of the information as it comes in, as we work towards the ultimate goal of having baseball return to Central Jersey once again. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. Get four lines of unlimited data for just $30 a line with AutoPay, plus taxes and fees. Visit T-Mobile.com for details and other special offers. T-Mobile, are you with us? The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance, it's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. With eight locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington, has a commitment of providing an essential service to the community. In accordance with state and federal directives, all their service and parts operations are open for business with no contact pickup and delivery available. Sales operations are being conducted virtually, so you can shop at home online 24-7 at Flemington.com, and they'll deliver the vehicle to you. Flemington Car and Truck Country, taking all necessary precautions to assure a safe and healthy environment for their customers and associates, here for you today and tomorrow.
All right, and welcome back to episode number two of the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz, but let's take a little bit of a trip down memory lane here. And on this week's episode, we're going back to the 2015 season because our guest for today's episode is left-handed reliever and Major League Baseball veteran Buddy Boshears. So let's see what 2015 actually looked like for the Somerset Patriots, because that was the lone season in which Buddy uh, actually played for the Patriots. So in 2015, Somerset Patriots manager Brett Jody was going into his third season at the helm for Somerset, and he was coming off of a couple of pretty disappointing ends to his previous two seasons. Uh, In 2013, the Patriots lost in the Atlantic League Championship Series to the Long Island Ducks. Uh, In 2014, uh, again, it was another disappointing end for the Patriots in the postseason. This time it was to the Lancaster Barnstormers, and um, the name Yusuke Kajimoto will likely come to the mind of some Patriots fans. But again, we don't have to talk about that too much. Uh, The reason we bring it up, because 2015, third year as a manager for Brett Jody, and of course, the second manager in Somerset Patriots history, second only to Sparky Lyle. So Brett, of course, wanted to pave his own path and establish himself as an Atlantic League champion manager because at the time, the Patriots had five Atlantic League championships, more than any other team in the Atlantic League, uh, but they hadn't won since 2009. In fact, this was the longest stretch in Somerset Patriots history at the time in which they had not won and Atlantic League championship. So high expectations going into the season, and the team, at least during the regular season, certainly met those expectations. An 89-50 and overall record in the regular season that was nine games better than any other team in the Atlantic League that year. The Long Island Ducks had 80 wins, but nine less than the Patriots over the course of the regular season. So Somerset certainly entered the postseason after having won first half Liberty Division Championship as the favorite in the postseason. That being said, they would find some difficulty in the playoffs initially. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about the regular season for Somerset because it was such a memorable one. And I think it starts with the pitching that year for the Patriots. Uh, They did have some key members of the lineup, which we'll get to a little bit later. I mean, Adam Donahue was the catcher, uh, one of the all-time great catchers for the Somerset Patriots. Major League veteran Robert Andino at shortstop. David Vidal was coming into his own as a Patriot at the time. Um, All-time greats Aaron Eggleston and Johnny Tucker were in the outfield. Nate Spears and Greg Hopkins were in the infield. Michael Burgess, a former first-round draft pick, was in the outfield. Uh, T-Daddy, Thomas Neal, was split in time between first base and the outfield. And, you know, the Patriots got a late-season acquisition in, in Matt Fields, who provided a lot of power, specifically in the playoffs, had a couple of had a two-home run game in Southern Maryland. I think that was Game 3 of the Atlantic League Championship Series. So there were some good uh, members of the lineup for the Patriots, but really that season revolved around the pitching staff. A 3.04 staff ERA for the Patriots in the regular season that year, which is just unheard of. That is an absurd number. That is every combined ERA from every pitcher who pitched for the Patriots that season combined over the entire regular season. 3.04. That's, uh, it's incredible. And it was led by a starting rotation that even had a couple of substitutions throughout the course of the season. Uh, but still, I mean, look at some of the names. 
just to start off the year, I mean, Mickey Story, Matt Zielinski uh, had really remarkable years, and we'll get into their numbers. I mean, Mickey Story went 12-3 and that season um, with a 3.53 ERA over 18 starts, and that included a brief stint where he made four starts for AA Tulsa in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. Um, and Story would make a couple of starts in the playoffs as well. But, I mean, the Patriots, at the end of the season, had the top three lowest qualified earned run averages among starting pitchers. Uh, and to look at those, I mean, people might forget Sean Bierman. This was the 2015 Sean Bierman season where Bierman posted what was an Atlantic League record lowest qualified ERA in league history. Bierman went 10-2 and with a 1.79 ERA, and he was just able to qualify for that um, lowest ERA. His contract was purchased towards the end of the season by the Baltimore Orioles. But, I mean, that was the Bierman season. And he wasn't even on the postseason roster for the Patriots. Uh, the second lowest ERA, Matt Zielinski. Uh, what a season it was for Zielinski. He went 8-4 and four with a 2.86 ERA over 25 starts. He tossed 166 and two-thirds innings. The number three ERA in the league that year, Roy Merritt. Of course, a longtime Somerset Patriot. And Merritt was acquired by the Patriots at the end of the season, made two starts for Somerset. But still, Merritt's overall numbers that year, 8-6 and six with a 2.88 ERA. So those were the three lowest ERAs of any qualified starting pitcher in the Atlantic League. And all three were on the Patriots rotation heading into the playoffs. But there's still some other names that were a part of that uh, really remarkable starting rotation as well. I mean, this was the same season where Randy Boone was pitching for the Patriots, and that was in his season was cut short. He went 5-3 and three with a 2.79 ERA during that year including a complete game where he threw like 89 pitchers or something. And the game was over in less than two hours, which was, which was an awesome experience for everyone on the front office. Um, and I'm sure it was a great experience for Randy as well. Um, and then Lucas Irvin, that was his first season with the Patriots. Six and eight record, but a 3.41 ERA. And his contract was purchased by the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, towards the end of the season. He wasn't on the playoff roster either. So Bierman, Boone, and Irvin were all not on the Patriots postseason roster, but all made major contributions to the pitching staff over the regular season. Um, but when those guys left, a couple of new guys came in. We mentioned Roy Merritt. And uh, Will Oliver was also acquired by the Patriots towards the end of that season. Uh, once the Frontier League season was done, the Patriots acquired Oliver from the Evansville Otters. All Oliver did in Evansville, he went 9-2 and with a 1.59 ERA and then came over to the Patriots, went 6-2 with a 3.17 ERA. Um, and that was just to end the regular season. Look, before we get into the playoffs quickly, we're here to talk about Buddy Bo Shears, and it was an incredibly dominant season for Bo Shears in 2015 as well. We just talked about the starting rotation, but the bullpen was really strong for the Patriots as well. Of course, John Hunton, our current director of baseball operations and pitching coach, he was still pitching at the time. He was at the back end of the Patriots bullpen, but Bo Shears worked in a setup role alongside Andrew Kerrigan was in the back end of that bullpen. Gus Schlosser towards the beginning of the season before his contract was purchased by the Braves. Uh, Kyler Newby, who certainly had a great stretch in Somerset. He was a part of that bullpen as well, but Bo Shears numbers really stand out. A three and one record, 1.00 earned run average over 52 appearances. 54 innings of work, Boshir has allowed only six earned runs that year. And that included a stretch of 24 straight scoreless relief appearances from June 14th 
through September 3rd. Um, he finished his season of the his final 32 appearances. 30 of those were scoreless appearances. Overall, he struck out 71 batters against 14 walks over 54 innings. I mean, it was truly one of the best relief pitcher seasons in the history of the Somerset Patriots. So not only was the starting rotation strong, but the back end of the bullpen was strong as well. That's why Somerset felt so confident going into the postseason that year. And boy, was it a fun postseason. That was the year where the trending hashtag for the Patriots going into the playoffs was hashtag let's eat. And a lot of our fans will remember how much fun we had with the let's eat um, hashtag. Of course, that was started by Johnny Tucker, who was an outfielder for the Patriots at the time. And it sort of resonated throughout the rest of the team, the rest of the clubhouse, where every time that there was a a player that would get on base after a hit or a home run or something, the celebration would be a, a little let's eat, like the spoon eating cereal um, out of a bowl. So that was the let's eat season. And the Patriots got into the playoffs. They fell behind two games to one against the Long Island Ducks to begin that Liberty Division Championship Series. That included a game in which the Patriots lost in front of, at the time, an Atlantic League record crowd on a home night um, in game three of the LDCS. But the Patriots will get two historical starting pitching efforts after that game three uh, to come from behind in the series and defeat the Ducks. Will Oliver, we just mentioned his name, threw one of the greatest starts in Somerset Patriots postseason history. A complete game, three hit shutout, one walk, two strikeouts, over 113 pitches. That earned the Patriots a 4-0 win in game four. And then in game five, he handed the ball off to Roy Merritt, who was pitching on three days rest. He was the game one starter for Somerset. And all Merritt did was throw a complete game four hit shutout where he allowed one walk and three strikeouts, almost an identical line to Will Oliver. And the Long Island Ducks had the best lineup in the season that year. So back-to-back strong starts from Oliver and Merritt clinched the Patriots, the 2015 Liberty Division Championship. They then went into the Atlantic League Championship Series against the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. And I even forgot this when I was researching, and I was a part of the uh, front office that year, but the Patriots lost the first game of the championship series. Uh, Game one in Somerset, that went to the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. Fred Lewis, a former big leaguer, and Zach Wilson, who would later be the All-Star Game MVP in 2017, played at TD Bank Ballpark. Both of those guys had three runs batted in each. Daryl Thompson, who was still with the Blue Crabs, he was the winning pitcher in that ball game as well. However, Somerset would win the next three ball games. They would win at home for game two. Then Hurricane uh, Joaquin actually wound up hitting us and the entire eastern seaboard. So there were two days in between games two and three. And then the Patriots won both games uh, three and four down at Regency Furniture Stadium, including Roy Merritt, who finished off his Atlantic League Championship Series MVP stretch um, with a seven-inning effort, allowing one unearned run in Game 4. Patriots won that ball game and wound up winning their sixth Atlantic League Championship. Of course, Buddy Boshears was a massive part of that team over the course of the entire season. And after the season was over, Buddy, who already had Major League Baseball experience, having broken into the bigs with the Los Angeles Angels in 2013, after 2015, after his time in Somerset was done, his contract was purchased by the Minnesota Twins organization. And then Buddy wound up being one of the bigger success stories in Patriots history in terms of a player going back to the big leagues after his time in Somerset. Because since that point, stretched over three seasons, 
Buddy Boshears has now made 103 major league appearances. That is since his time in Somerset. And that's spread between two seasons at the big league level with the Minnesota Twins and most recently in 2019 as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. So that is who our guest is for this episode. That's a little background of what was going on in 2015 at the time that Bo Shears played his lone season with Somerset. Of course, it stood out so much that earlier this week, the Somerset Patriots announced that Buddy was named to the all-decade team from the 2010 season through the 2019 season. So after we come back, after this next break, we will sit down with left-handed relief pitcher and major league veteran Buddy Boshears. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. Get four lines of unlimited data for just $30 a line with AutoPay, plus taxes and fees. Visit T-Mobile.com for details and other special offers. T-Mobile, are you with us? The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country with eight locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington, has a commitment of providing an essential service to the community. In accordance with state and federal directives, all their service and parts operations are open for business with no contact pickup and delivery available. Sales operations are being conducted virtually, so you can shop at home online 24-7 at Flemington.com, and they'll deliver the vehicle to you. Flemington Car and Truck Country, taking all necessary precautions to assure a safe, and healthy environment for their customers and associates here for you today and tomorrow. All right, and welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and this week I have the pleasure of being joined alongside the most recently named all-decade team member of the Somerset Patriots. It's the left-handed major leaguer, Buddy Boshears. Buddy, how's it going, man? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for taking the time. How's uh, how's everything going with you in, in this just weird, weird time that we have going on? Oh, man, everything's hectic, man. You know, being at home with the girls and my two kids and, you know, them running me ragged all day, every day. But, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it, you know, it's good to get to spend some, you know, good time with the family and, and be with them and, you know, just hang out with them all day. It's It's been a lot of fun. Good, good. It's good to hear. Are you, uh, so I know that you most recently played with the Blue Jays. Um, you know, are you, are you still going through that free agency process right now? Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, signed with the team, uh, down in Mexico earlier this year and, uh, actually went down there for a few weeks for a spring training down there. And, uh, of course, with everything that's going on, they ended up sending us home. So, we're just kind of waiting like everybody else is right now. All right. Yeah. What was that experience like to be, I guess, down in a different country when, when all this, uh, this stuff started to break and then having to come back to the States? Uh, I mean, it was kind of nerve wracking, honestly. Um, but the, the front office down there was great. Um, we had a team meeting on Sunday and, 
that was probably around noon and I mean, I was on a flight at 6.30 the next morning to uh, get out of there just to ensure that, uh, you know, we could get through customs and get back uh, stateside. Oh, I'm I'm glad that you were able to get back to the States all right. Uh, you know, that's what's most important. So we're happy to have you back here in America. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, so let's get into your career a little bit. And, you know, of course, the main reason why you're on the show right now, um, your remarkable 2015 season with the Somerset Patriots. Um, and, and we'll get to that. But I did want to start off and provide a little bit of sort of context for our for our fans that, that might not know too much about your career and sort of the steps that you took to get to the Patriots. And then, of course, the impressive steps that you took after playing for the Patriots and, and getting back to the bigs. Um, so you were a fourth round draft pick uh, back in 2008 by the Los Angeles Angels. Can you take me back to the moment when you were drafted? I mean, I imagine that was a, a, a lifelong childhood dream coming true. Just sort of what were the emotions um, that you experienced when you found out that you were drafted? And not only drafted, but pretty high in the fourth round. It was, I was actually at a good friend of mine that I grew up with, Craig Kimbrell. I was actually at his house and, um, you know, he ended up going in the uh, third round to the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, I mean, you just, it's one of those things like you just, you never know. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect, uh, you know, the first round or the 50th round. So, I mean, all you can do is just hope and pray that, you know, you just get the opportunity. And, you know, luckily enough, I was um, drafted in the fourth round, 139th overall. And, um, you know, I, I just ran with it. You know, I, you know, this was a dream that I've been chasing since I was, uh, you know, five years old. So um, it's been a lifelong dream for me. So and and Craig was drafted in that same 2008 draft, right? Correct. Yeah. So I guess have you guys been able to stay in touch throughout you know everything since that point? Oh yeah, actually, I mean we're really good friends. Uh, we actually uh, got to get out and go uh, play around the golf last week with a couple of buddies of ours. So I mean that was it was really nice to you know get all of us together and just you know hang out for a bit. That's awesome. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot going on with Major League Baseball right now and all the different negotiations that are going on about, you know, how baseball could potentially resume, um, you know, during this pandemic. H- have you been um, keeping tabs on that at all? Or, you know, I don't know if you can uh, speak to some of your buddies about that. Vaguely. Um, I, honestly, you know, I mean, I've got two younger daughters and honestly, they're wide open. I don't get a whole lot of uh, opportunities to sit down and and dissect what's going on really um and i mean nobody really knows honestly at this point i don't think so um i think here in the next you know week or so maybe two weeks uh hopefully we'll find something out and figure uh figure out if we're going to get to play or not yeah I, i i certainly hope so too and we're hoping to play here in somerset um all right so you you make your major league debut uh in 2013 uh, with the Los Angeles Angels. Um, at that time, you had it was actually your sixth season um, of professional baseball, worked your way up the ranks, and then you make that major league debut. You strike out Jason Kipnis, who was an all-star um, at the time. Uh, just what were the emotions like for you to, to, to finally get up to the major leagues? Did, did it feel like you know this was a long time coming, that you maybe wanted to get up there a little bit sooner, or, or is it just, you know, 
relief and excitement to finally be up at that level? Uh, honestly, it was it was a little bit of everything. You know, like I I kind of scuffled as a starter um, when I was coming up in the minor leagues, and um, finally in 2012 they said, hey, you know, we're going to move to the bullpen and and see how things go there. And you know, I was I was super excited about it because you know it just opened up a new chapter of my life, honestly, and. Um, I, and I just ran with it. And, you know, I, I wanted to be a guy that was someone that was reliable day in and day out. And so, you know, that's what I trained for. I trained to be ready to take the ball every day, you know, that I was called upon. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, it turned my career around, you know, for the first time, honestly. And, um, I mean, everything just got better for some reason. I, I, and, <laughs> I still to this day I can't figure out what the changes were or you know I, I just something clicked and you know I took off with it. Uh well that was it was awesome to see and then uh you know 2014 you're still in the Angels organization and then um 2015 you you come over to the Patriots. So you know this is what we were working towards here but um I I'm I'm curious at what point you know whether it be during the 2014 season or, or in the off season, um, after that season concluded, uh, at, at what point did the Somerset Patriots become an option for you? And, and can you talk me through sort of the process on, on how you sort of came over to Somerset? Yeah. So, um, I became a free agent after my 2014 season with the Angels and ended up going down to Venezuela to play winter ball. Um, I wanted to keep my name out there. And, you know, just let other teams know, like, hey, you know, I'm still wanting to play, basically. So, you know, if they can still see my names come up in the box scores, you know, then, you know, it, it keeps their, you know, a little bug in the ear, basically. And um, I was down in Venezuela, ended up signing with the uh, Colorado Rockies and uh, was with the Rockies and ultimately got released by the Rockies and, um, I had met John Hunton down in Winter Bowl. And um, after sitting at home for a few weeks, you know, talking to my agent, uh, John ended up calling me and uh, he was like, hey, man, you want to come play indie ball? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I want to keep playing. So, you know, and um, so anyways, I, I go to Somerset. I don't know much, you know, or what to expect. And um, I get there and, you know, I had actually played with, Kyler Newby um, and a couple other guys in the past. So, I mean, it was really nice. Eggleston, he was another one. Um, it was really nice to just, you know, kind of come into a group, a new group of guys and, and knowing a few of those guys. So, you know, you're familiar with a couple of the names uh, once you join the Patriots. And, you know, John still to this day is working as a director of baseball operations and uh, constantly recruiting uh, for the team. But I, I'm just in general, when I say the Somerset Patriots and I bring up the 2015 season, is, is there a particular memory um, that, that stands out for you as, you know, maybe a positive experience that you had while while you were over here? Winning. I mean, that is <laughs> what we did. And we won a lot of ball games. I mean, that's what makes it fun. You know, I mean, nobody wants to go out there and get beaten. You know, I think one of the, the best thing that that group of guys had was, the same goal and we all kind of bought into that system and I mean naturally it just made us play better and um 
you know, we were lucky enough to, you know, win the championship, but we had a good core group of guys that had a lot of experience and just knew how to handle the game. And, um, you know, I mean, there wasn't a single, you know, one single leader on that team. You know, if anybody was, you know, at a line, I mean, it could be a number of guys, you know, stepping up and, you know, taking responsibility. And, um, I mean, that, that group of guys was, is, is always going to be special to me. Um, I, I had probably some of the most fun playing in 2015. I mean, so, honestly, it was just, it was fun going to the ballpark every day. Well, that's, that's something that I've heard from a couple of people when, when talking to them. And of course, you could speak a lot more than I could ever uh, about, you know, spending time in a major league organization and getting up to the bigs. But some guys that I've spoken to have said in the past, you know, when you're working your way up in a major league organization, um, there, there's like politics that go into it. There's, you know, prospects and guys that, that need to get time, that need to get innings or need to, you know, you know, get at bats. And sometimes, it could be a little hard to wiggle your way and sort of find your way through that. And, and it could take away from a little bit of the enjoyment of baseball. And, and I, I've found that when guys come over to Somerset or when they, you know, come over to the Atlantic league, generally speaking, um, they tend to have a little bit more fun and, and it's more of a relaxed atmosphere. And, you know, of course everyone's playing to get back to a major league organization, but did you find that that was true? Um, that, that just, it allowed you to sort of focus on the game a little bit more and not so much the politics that go on in major league organizations. Well, I will say no comment on the political side of people, <laughs> but no, I mean, it was just, you know, Brett Jody was awesome. I mean, he just, he had Phil, you know, he played major league baseball. I mean, he just, he ran, you know, the organization, you know, just, you know, I mean, it was just like, look guys, this is y'all's team. Like, you know, if you don't want me in the clubhouse, you better win. And, you know, we, we respected him as a manager. He respected us as players. And, you know, uh, we, we didn't hardly have any hiccups that whole year. And, um, you know, that's what it takes for a really good team to, to win a championship. And, you know, that's obviously what we did. So during that season, I mean, just so our fans know how, how dominant of a year. You had that year. I mean, overall, you went three and one. You had a 1.00 ERA. Um, you made 52 appearances. You had a stretch at one point of 24 straight scoreless relief appearances, 71 strikeouts, over 54 innings of work. Um, do you remember specifically what was working for you so well during that season? Was there anything in particular that you worked on or was it just sort of the freedom of, of being over here and, and getting a bit of a change of scenery? Honestly, until probably the last month or so of the season, I didn't even realize like my numbers had been, you know, as good as they were and were getting better. But uh, I, I just take everything one pitch at a time. You know, I mean, you know, live in that moment for that pitch and, you know, commit yourself 100% to each pitch. And I mean, I was fortunate enough, you know, we had really good defense behind me. They made you know, heck play, you know, just really, really good plays, you know, all year long. Um, not just when I was pitching. I mean, it, like I said, it, it wasn't just me as a player that, you know, was the reason we were so good. I mean, everybody on that lineup contributed in some sort of way that, you know, propelled us to the top. 
So the the team that year won 89 games. It was nine more games uh, in the regular season than any other team in the league. Going into the playoffs, did you guys, I mean, it sounds like you were pretty confident, um, you know, in the entire team that year. Do you remember the guys having a bit of a confidence going into that postseason thinking like, look, we're the, we're the, we're the team to beat. We're, we're in a pretty good shape for, to, you know, to win this thing. I noticed pretty early on in the year that, you know, we were, you know, better than, than everybody in that league, not to discredit any of the other organizations, but I mean, that's just how good we were that year. And I mean, everything clicked for us, everything went right for us. And that's obviously, you know, you have to have some sort of luck on your side to, you know, to win a championship and, you know, everything just went our way that year. You know, it didn't matter if it was a one nothing ball game, a, a 10 to nothing ball game. Like we just found ways to win night in and night out. So a lot of really good players on that team that year. Of course, yourself, you know, the bullpen was strong. Hunton was closing things down on the back end. Andrew Kerrigan, you mentioned Kyler Newby, Gus Schlosser, who had his contract purchased earlier in that season uh, with the Braves. And then, I mean, the starting rotation, you had three guys that wound up finishing one, two, and three in the league in ERA. Um, and then some late season additions as well, like Roy Merritt, Will Oliver, Mickey Story had a strong year, Matt Zielinski. Um, you know, hearing some, Sean Bierman posted a 1.79 ERA that season. Um, you know, just hearing some of these names, does it take you down memory lane a bit? Just remembering how strong of a team that really was. Absolutely. And then, you know, just like the numbers you just rattled off, like, I mean, we finished top three in, you know, pitching ERA from starters' perspectives. You know, obviously myself and, you know, all the other guys in there as well. I mean, we we were just a dominant team that year, and um, you know, hats off to John Hunton because I know he works his butt off trying to put the best twenty five guys out there, and I mean, he he does a heck of a job for that organization. Yeah, the the overall staff ERA at the end of the regular season was a combined three point oh four, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it was if uh, you're if if you're giving up. A combined ERA of three, then I mean you're going to win a lot of ball games, <laughs> and that, that's exactly what you guys did. Um, and then just moving to the postseason quickly that year, obviously you know really strong regular season. Uh, you come from behind in the first round of that postseason against the Ducks. Uh, you fall down two games to one, and then Will Oliver complete game three hit shutout. Game five, Roy Merritt complete game four hit shutout. And then, and then in the championship series, you're going up against Southern Maryland, lose the first game, win the second game. And then I don't know if you remember, buddy, but there was a hurricane that hit us that year. And, and, and we had, and, and we had to, uh, to wait a couple of days down in Southern Maryland. Do you, do you remember any fun stories of you guys sort of killing some time while we had to wait for that field to be ready? No, I, I think we were more anxious than anything. You know, I, we were just ready to, to get out there and just, you know, seal the deal, get it over with, you know, we, we were ready to win. And, um, obviously, you know, I mean, things happen, you can't control mother nature, but, you know, I mean, we did a, a really, really good job of just staying focused and, you know, staying locked in on the task ahead. And, you know, that's what we did. So, uh, you guys obviously get the job done, win the championship. And then that off season, uh, you wind up signing with the Minnesota Twins. And then, you know, the story goes, you're able to work your way back to the major leagues. 
um, in 2016 and 2017 with the Twins as well, and then 2019 most recently with the Blue Jays. And Oh, also, um, so you didn't know this because I didn't pitch, but in 2018 I was also in the big leagues. Oh, oh, I must, you know what? I'll be completely honest. I was looking at your baseball reference page. <laughs> yep. Well, because I didn't have any stats, because I didn't pitch, I, uh, I don't, it says that I wasn't the big leagues, but I was on the active roster in 2018. I got traded to the Pirates and, uh, went up two days after I got traded. Well, so maybe you could speak to this. I know there's a couple of guys on our teams that have, gotten up to the big leagues and and never wound up getting into a ball game. Uh, Kyler Newby, who was a teammate of yours in 2015, had a similar situation. Um, can, can you speak at all to any level of frustration there might be for a guy that gets called up and, and doesn't actually wind up entering a ball game? Um, honestly, I mean, it sucks because, I mean, you've worked your whole career to get to that point. And you have such high expectations, you know, when you get to the big league locker room, you tell you're activated, you know, you walk out, you go down to the bullpen and, you know, you find a perfect situation for you to throw and you don't throw, you know, all right, cool, you know. And then, you know, two days, three days, four days, five days, you're like, man, what's going on? But, you know, I mean, that's, that's the business side of it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the manager's decision on, you know, who's taking the ball in what situation. So, you know, and, and I've talked to Newby quite a few times about that and, um, it, it still bugs him, but, you know, I've asked him, I was like, so, I mean, do you claim that, you know, you made it to the big leagues or, or what? And I mean, cause technically he did, you know, technically he has one day of service time, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's a bittersweet. And I mean, I, I can't speak on their behalf because, you know, I was fortunate enough to actually, you know, have a few years in the big leagues. So um, I'm super, super grateful for the time that I've had up there so far. You know, looking at the numbers, you're actually one of the biggest success stories in, in terms of guys who played here and then went back to the big leagues afterwards. You, you've made 103 major league appearances since playing with the Patriots. Um, which is, which is awesome. And, and honestly, congratulations on that. Um, oh, but thank I, you. of course, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if, if there's any other Patriot players that might wind up tuning into this podcast, whether current or, or somebody who's looking to come to Somerset, what advice would you give guys that, that come here in terms of, you know, how they could perform well here? And then, you know, like you mentioned earlier, try to reach that ultimate goal of getting back to a major league organization. Uh, just stay the course, keep working. You, you never know who's watching, what they're doing. You, you don't, you, you honestly, you don't know what a team is looking for at a specific time. And all it takes is just the opportunity to get back to a system and have an opportunity to go, you know, from whatever level you may be in to say, Hey, you know what? This guy's lights out right now. And we're going to give him an opportunity and all you can do is just keep forcing the hand, keep forcing the hand, keep forcing the hand. And at the end of the day, just do everything that you can do in between the lines to give yourself the best opportunity to make it to the next level. 
Have you gotten a chance to to put on a recruiter hat at all? You know, after your time in Somerset, has anybody approached you knowing that you played here and asked, you know, sort of what's it like over here, over in Somerset? Have you have you gotten a chance to do that at all? Oh, actually, I have. Um, I've I've actually uh, had John Hunton call me a few times asking about a couple of guys that I've played with in the past, and you know, I, and you know, I'm honest with John. You know, if I think the guy is good for that organization, you know, I'll tell him. And I say that openly and with confidence because I have so much respect for that organization because of the way that they treated us when we were there. I know that that's how they're still treating people. And I wouldn't want to send somebody that, you know, I didn't trust or, you know, didn't think would be a good fit in that organization. I, I, I wouldn't stick my neck out like that. And plus, I'm just an honest person, an honest evaluator about, you know, players in general. I'll let you go on this. The last question I got for you. And again, you know, congratulations on all the success that you had here. And, and really, congratulations on um, picking up a really impressive career after after playing here. It's it, it's what we love to see. Um, so it, it was great to and we continue to follow your career. It's, it's a lot of fun for all of us. Um, but I, I'll let you go on this. You know, we announced earlier this week, and I know you've known this now for a little bit, that you were announced to the Somerset Patriots all-decade team for seasons between 2010 and 2019. Uh, for somebody like yourself who's had a lot of success at the major league level both before and after coming here, for our fans, this is a fan vote, for our fans to remember your 2015 season and to still vote you as as one of the top relief pitchers for the entire decade and Remember the contributions that you made to this community and, th- and this organization. I guess just w- what does it mean to you? What emotions do you have for for everyone here still remembering, you know, how big of a role you played in this uh, for this team? Oh, I, I mean, I'm I'm forever grateful. You know, I mean, that opportunity, you know, it opened so many doors for me. And honestly, without the fans, you know, I mean, we we're not playing baseball. You know, I mean, the fans come to see us. We want to see the stadium full obviously so i mean it's 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 a win-win for both of us because i mean like i said they want to see us play we want full stadiums and i mean it means a lot that i had an impact on so many fans um you know even five years later you know because i mean there's been so many good players come in before and after me that you know i was able to uh i guess beat out for this position and um you know, I mean, it, it is, it's an honor and, you know, it's, it feels good to, to be appreciated and to know that, you know, my hard work did go to something good. And, you know, I, I think it's a really cool, um, award, I guess you could, you could claim it as. Again, buddy, I, I do really appreciate you taking the time. I, I hope that sooner rather than later, um, we can return to baseball, that you can, um, get down to Mexico and, and play again, or maybe have another opportunity here in the States. But uh, again, from all of us with the, with the Patriots, just thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief will continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance, it's NJM. 
The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. With eight locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington, has a commitment of providing an essential service to the community. In accordance with state and federal directives, all their service and parts operations are open for business with no contact pickup and delivery available. Sales operations are being conducted virtually, so you can shop at home online 24-7 at Flemington.com, and they'll deliver the vehicle to you. Flemington Car and Truck Country, taking all necessary precautions to assure a safe, and healthy environment for their customers and associates, here for you today and tomorrow. And we're back. A big thank you to Buddy Bo Shears for hopping on the pod and chatting for a few minutes. We don't have too much time left in this episode, but we did want to bring up that the Patriots' work for the Central Jersey community has continued this week with actually another really cool and exciting uh, promotion. Uh, This one, once again, to benefit RWJ Barnabas Health and their emergency relief fund. Uh, On Tuesday, the Patriots unveiled their official Jersey Strong t-shirts. They're really cool. They say Jersey Strong with the picture of New Jersey and the Patriots logo on the front. Uh, They're available for sale on the Somerset Patriots website, uh, somersetpatriots.com. With the proceeds from the sales, benefiting the RWJ Barnabas Health Emergency Relief Fund. Somerset has already raised over, well over, in fact, $2,000 for their official health care providers and and will continue to work to find more ways to give back to the community. One more quick note, uh, in honor of having Buddy on today's pod uh, to reminisce about the 2015 championship season, this week's two games of the week uh, to air on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com uh, will be from that memorable 2015 playoff run. So be sure to tune in uh, on both Saturday and Sunday, uh, this coming Saturday and Sunday, so the 16th and 17th, uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. to tune in for the live rebroadcast. All right. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we hope to have a little bit more updates on the status of the Atlantic League, and we will also be joined by one of the most prominent position players in Somerset Patriots history. Uh, It's sure to be an episode that you will not want to miss, so that will air next week on 1450 WCTC at 6 p.m. It will also be made available on podcast platforms at that same time. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m. with the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. 
The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.